Hello, welcome to Full Circle with Garland. I'm a leader in the DEI space and have spent 20 years of my career in human resources. I've been having meaningful conversations about career development with my friends and colleagues, many of whom are rarely heard on stages and podcasts. I am excited to bring you their stories each week. I will be sharing how their diverse backgrounds have shaped their work, the lessons in their career highs and lows, and the importance of recognizing the full circle moments in life. Thank you for joining me, and I hope you enjoy this week's interview. Welcome to Full Circle with Garland. Today's special guest is Robin Thorne. Uh, I had the opportunity to meet Robin a few, maybe a month or two ago. Um, She was introduced to me by a good uh, colleague and friend, Kim Brown, and she said, oh, you've got to meet Robin. She does all this great stuff um, with this amazing group called, um, you know, Demo Chicks, but then she's got her amazing business where, you know, she's essentially doing a lot within construction and demolition. And, um, you know, it's not a, it's not a area I think that people really know very much about, uh, because, you know, it's environmental health and safety. It's, and again, another aspect within real estate, another aspect within, um, business that I don't think people know exists. So I think you should talk to her, find out more. And, uh, hopefully this is something that interests you. And so when we had our conversation, I was blown away by just all this stuff that she shared and was like, we need to have you on the podcast. So I'm so happy to have Robin on. Um, Her bio's in the show notes. I could go over it, but you can read it, see how amazing she is. Um, Happy to have you on. Welcome, Robin. Well, thank you. And I'm happy to be here. And I look forward to sharing with your audience my experiences and hopefully I'll be able to share something with them that will inspire them or, or if somebody's thinking about, can I do this? After hearing from me, they'll say, yes, I can. If she can do it, surely I can. For sure. So let's dive right into, um, you know, what kind of upbringing did you have? What shaped you? Uh, I know you, you know, have a lot of amazing uh stories to share. So let's jump in. Well, it's it's amazing how when you look back over your life and you see how your story unfolds, um, how what you experience as a child shapes you. And I oftentimes ask my mother, how was I as a child? And she just looks at me like, girl, (laughs) I was her special child. But I I remember growing up in that home where there was a lot of structure. My mother was a stay-at-home mom until she wasn't. And me and my siblings were very close. I had two sisters and a brother, and we grew up in the suburbs until we didn't. And I say that a lot because things change, right? I mean, our stories change. And early on, there was a lot of structure. We had chores. You know, I did the downstairs bathroom. My sister did the upstairs bathroom. We alternated doing dishes. So there were a lot of chores and a lot of structure. And then there were rules. Um, to this day, I still eat four cookies because for some reason, that's how many cookies we got for. Seems like, sounds like a lot now, doesn't it? <laughs> um, yeah. But just just so these rules and the structure, and I enjoyed it. And I had a pretty happy childhood. The neighborhood I grew up in seems like we all got the same toys for Christmas at the same time. So everyone on the block got a 10-speed bike or roller skates. Uh, we played kickball in the street. 
you know, we played dodgeball. So it was a fun, fun childhood, a lot of great memories. And I grew up in a um, small um, black community. And so we all went to the same school and we all knew each other. You borrow sugar. Um, it was fun. We played doorbell Dixie. So we, we got in trouble as well. That's when you ring a doorbell and run. <laughs> played hide and go seek tag. So great childhood memories. But then my parents um, divorced when I was 13. But, but prior to that, I remember family vacations as well. Driving down to the shore, to the shore, the seashore, Atlantic City, because I grew up on the East Coast. Um, and I remember driving down South North Carolina to visit relatives. So, you know, those are the kind of memories I have as a child. But then my parents divorced at 13, so all of that just changed. And so my mother was a very strong woman because she left with her four children and she moved to the city. And I remember we went from our four bedroom house to a two bedroom apartment. And I know that sounds like, oh man, but it, telling the story, it sounds, it sounds pretty intense, but life was still great because we still had the home where people came to play. You know, I, I talk about, um, the fact that me and my older sister shared a twin bedroom, I mean, I'm sorry, a twin bed in a small bedroom. And we look back, that, look, look back at that and we laugh because it didn't feel like it sounds. Um, still a lot of great memories. And so um, when you think about, I guess, transitioning from, you know, a suburban home to going now to a city, um, you and your siblings, your mom, um, and then you know, kind of taking the love and the routines and the all of the things that you've cultivated up to that point is what it's still what's holding you all together and not really feeling like anything's changed because we're we're the same people doing the same things that we were doing. Now we're just doing it in a different place, a different space. Um, how has that experience, I think, shaped your ability to transition into things and you know hold what's close to you? regardless of what's happening around you. Well, as, as we're, as I'm sharing this with you, I realize that's all of that has made me who I am today. And oftentimes when I'm asked about someone who's been influential in my, my life, I say my mother, because I look at what she modeled for, for me and for my siblings. And she didn't miss a beat. I always say that my mother is one of the selfless people, one of the most selfless people I know, because she never complained about what she had to do. She did it. And she always instilled in us, one of, one of her favorite sayings is, God bless a child who has their own. And so, but she, she lived that, so she got her own. It took many years, but she went back to school. Matter of fact, when I graduated from high school, my mother was graduating from community college and my youngest sister was graduating from middle school. So, you know, I, I realized it recently um, how how important or or how my how much of a role model or how much my mother influenced me. I mean, of course, she influenced me, but just the the qualities and the um, yeah, just who she is as a person, how it influenced me, just from her modeling it without saying a whole lot, but by her doing. And I believe because of that. I'm determined, you know, 
I see my path is straightforward. I don't get distracted by what's going on over here, what's going on over there. I just keep moving forward because I know if it's going to be, it's up to me, right? Um, I don't rely on other people because she instilled in me, God bless the child who has his own, so I have to get my own. Um, But there's also the collaboration because we come from a very close family. Um, I had an uncle who was very supportive of his, his siblings. So he was always there for my mother and just, you know, my grandmother, my aunts and uncles, it's just this family unit that was always supportive of everything that, that transpired. And that's even in my life, when I became a single parent, I lived with my mom and, and she just was still there for me and and encouraged me. And she was like my son's second mom. For some reason, he thinks that my his grandmother raised him. I was like, no, it was me. We lived there, but it was me. <laughs> so I don't know if I answered your question, but. <laughs> yeah, you did. So um, when we spoke, you told me, you know, I, I kind of was a late bloomer. I didn't sometimes really, you know, didn't have this traditional trajectory, but because I knew what I wanted to do, I just, like you said, put my mind to it and was on my way. Um, what what would you say about being a late bloomer in terms of, you know, I think sometimes people say late bloomer, but to me, it means you're doing things on your own timeline. That doesn't mean you got to do anything on anybody else's timeline. So what are those, um, I guess, advantages or the things that you realize, you know what, I'm doing this my way? Well, I say late bloomer because people think, think I'm 10 years younger than I actually am. <laughs> Because of when I graduated from college, and I feel like I need to explain that. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes it's good for them to think I'm 10 years younger. Um, But I say that because I didn't take the traditional path. You think chemical engineer, someone who who maybe went to an engineering high school or who was on that track. And I want to let you know that I was not. (laughs) Um, It's interesting because when you look, if you look at my yearbook, you'll see chemical engineering. That's what I said I wanted to be when I grew up. But it took me about eight years to actually start a program. So after high school, I worked. And um, I I had my son and I thought, okay, so what are you really going to do with the rest of your life? You know, and that's when I decided to pursue some of the goals that I had set for myself early on. But it was very intimidating because I had been out of school for eight years and I looked at the curriculum. I said, I said, uh, well, I know I like math, so it will either be accounting or engineering. And I started at a community college and I took, I said, I'm going to take an accounting course and I'm going to take algebra. <laughs> and I took the accounting course and discovered that accounting is not math. I mean, it deals with numbers, but I don't know what it is. I did not enjoy it. And I took the algebra course and I loved it. And so that was, it was engineering, but it should have been engineering, but it was just very intimidating looking at that, looking at the engineering curriculum, because you have calculus one, two, three, four, you have chemistry 101, 102, 201, 203. And I thought, wow, that's going to be very difficult. But then I said, I don't want to be 43. I don't know why 43. But I said, I don't want to be 43 and say, man, I could have, should have, would have. I'd rather attempt it and fail rather than have regrets later in life. And so I started that journey taking one course at a community college, 
then two courses. It took me four years to get my associate's degree in engineering science. And then I transferred to Drexel full time engineering student. And I had my son at the time said he was two years old when I started school. So I was focused. You know, I didn't have time to pledge anything. I just knew what I had to do. So I, I was focused. I was determined. I was committed. Um, and I knew I couldn't quit. Wonderful. So chemical engineering, when you hear that and you hear that curriculum, um, you know, what are the opportunities that you were thinking about that you could leverage with this degree? And, and did that change at all as you, you know, continue to move forward in your path? Well, I, I chose chemical engineering because of my interest in how things work, how things were designed, the chemical makeup of things. So really, I was initially I was interested in material science. I even thought about industrial engineering, civil engineering. And the reason why I chose chemical, honestly, is because it was the highest paid at the time. And I knew that as a chemical engineer, I can venture into other areas. Like I could venture into material science or civil or environmental. But it was um, it was it was very, very challenging because not only was it the highest paid, but it was one of the most challenging disciplines within engineering. My my initial interest was work was to work in the food industry. I thought that that would be exciting because it would be a clean environment. <laughs> Unlike some of the petrochemical plants or refineries. So I was thinking food or um, um, the cosmic, the um, food or the makeup industry. But I wind up working at a polyurethane foam manufacturing plant. Wow. And so what was that like? I mean, I, I just think about, I just think about the peanut packaging in like boxes when you tell me that. <laughs> well, this was... More like carpet underlay, seat cushionings, shoulder pads. I think they're back, right? Um, yeah. Those, that type of, it was flexible polyurethane foam. And it was quite, in, and that was an interesting experience because when I, um, Drexel has a co-op program, which is an excellent program. It's a five-year program and you wind up coming out of, um, out of school with 18 months experience. And I had great co-op experiences. I worked for Arco Chemical Company in Newtown Square. Then I had a chance to work for them in West Charleston, South Charleston, West Virginia. And what the interesting story there is when I was high, I was looking for work, looking for work. And I was having a hard time finding a job. And one of my colleagues said, one of my classmates said, girl, you better take those braids out of your hair. And I said, what? <laughs> you know, she said, well, maybe you should change your hairstyle. Because I had braids. And I said, no, my braids are neat. I had a nice bob style. I said, I'm not going to change my braids just to interview. But it just so happened the person who hired me was a black gentleman. I don't know if it had anything to do with anything. But I just thought that was an interesting story. Um, and so Jack Carter was my first employer after graduating from, from college with my engineering degree. And he was very passionate about polyurethane foam making. And he was very passionate, passionate about diversifying that industry. And so he was a true mentor. 
to the point where I was in research and development. I operated my own machine. So what does that mean? That means that I wore a mechanics uniform. <laughs> I pushed my own 55-gallon drums around with the trolley, and I set up the machine. And I remember something happened with the machine, and, and we had to go underneath the machine. And I looked at Jack, and I was saying my hair, and he gave me a bonnet. He said, well, here, here's a bonnet. Because he was determined to help me learn the industry. <laughs> and, and I thought, I didn't go to school for this, you know. But it was it was such a valuable experience to be able to interact at that level because when I was promoted and I when I was promoted, that's when I moved to California and was given my own production line, I could relate to the employees who were working on the line. So I wouldn't trade that for anything. Yeah. So how did you transition your career from you know, working with an organization to deciding that you wanted to open your own business and becoming, you know, an entrepreneur? Well, I've always been entrepreneurial minded. Um, I, I grew up, my, my mother's brother, Uncle Junie, he owned a variety store in Philadelphia, Upsil Variety. I told my, my cousin the next time I talk about the store, I'll name it. <laughs> Um, Upsil Variety in Mount Airy. And so I always admired Uncle, my Uncle Junie. And, I, and even I, I started working in a store when I was in the fifth grade. And that's how I learned how to count. I learned how to count money. My grandmother taught me how to count money. Um, <laughs> and I remember selling erasers and pencils and candy to the kids in middle school from the store. And then over the years, I've sold different things. I've sold jewelry. Um, me and a friend had a business by us, for us, where we looked for items that were by um, Black folks uh, made. Because, because we found that if you put the continent of Africa on something, think, people think it's Black-made or Black-owned. So we were determined to find items, whether it was cards or statues just made by Black folks and promote those things. So I've had different experience with entrepreneurship over the years. And I started my company because someone saw an opportunity. They were saying, well, you're a chemical engineer, you're African-American female. There's a lot of opportunity out there for you to pursue work. You know, there's projects where they're looking for people like you to do the work and so on and so forth. And I thought, I'm okay. <laughs> you know, I'll continue. I want to have fun with, with my, um, my business pursuits. I don't want to be a consultant because you have so many bosses. And so I never thought I would be a consultant in engineering. So how did I get there? <laughs> so how, what, what changed? What happened? <laughs> when I looked at the magnitude of the opportunities. Yeah. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll try this, right? Um, I'll, I'll try it because there was so much opportunity out there. I mean, I was encouraged early on to get my contractor's license. And I was thinking, I don't really want a contractor's license because I'm a consultant. Like, I enjoy the consulting portion of it. 
but here I am, a general engineering contractor. So I actually have my license now. And so I, so I'll say, to summarize the answer, I would say it was the amount of opportunity and my curiosity. You know, this is something that could potentially change my life, right, as I knew it. And the reason why I stuck with it is because I say that I fell in love with the freedom, right? Freedom over security, right? Because the security is the job. Like you know every two weeks or every month that you're, you're gonna have a paycheck. When you have your own business, you may or may not know where the next um, dollar is coming from because it's dependent on the next contract. So, And then you started getting into um, government work and all other types of contracts. So um, can you talk a little bit about, I guess, how you jumped into that side of things? Because I think when you're coming from the private side and you're used to working with the clients that you have, and then you move into how another industry or another sector works. Um, what were the, what were the either learning curves or, or the, you know, things that you realized this is actually better or different compared? Well, you know how, how your, your strengths can be weaknesses. If, how do you say like your strengths, your strengths can also be your weaknesses, right? Yes. So mm-hmm. I genuinely like people. So I talk to a lot of people. So networking is a natural thing for me. Um, early on, I networked without a lot of strategy, but I networked. You know, I talked to a lot of people, showed up at a lot of places. So I got to know a lot of people. And as a result of that, I mean, it could seem like, oh, she's all over the place. But as a result of being all over the place, my phone still rings from someone I met five years ago, where at the time I didn't know why I was talking to them or someone may may have said, you know, you're wasting your time talking to that person. They don't have an opportunity. But so I just say networking is, is very important. And as a result of me talking to so many people, different opportunities were presented to me. And for me, every opportunity is not the right opportunity, but I've been fortunate that these opportunities, while they were in different areas, were all good opportunities for me. So it's like I positioned myself by saying yes and being open to various opportunities. So what does a day in the life for you look like at this point? Because I'm trying to imagine, okay, I'm someone who's doing chemical engineering or have done it for some time. Um, I want to try something new. What, what is this new, what, what does this life look like for you now? I mean, and you've been doing it for a while now. So probably, you know, when you first started versus now, it, it may look totally different because you've got an established reputation. Like you're saying, people call you, you are kind of known in your own space. So um, what does that look like? Well, actually, I'm finally getting focused, right? (laughs) Because I'm realizing I don't have time to do it all. Early on, it's saying yes to too many things. But now I just can't say yes because I don't have the time to say yes. And so I have to make sure that it's worth my while. 
because maybe um, going after a, a $50,000 grant is not worth it when I can go after a multi-million dollar contract. So those are the things I'm starting to learn how to better spend my time and what's the best use of my time. And I, I'd like to say on, on most days I'll come in and I, just, I, I have a certain number of tasks that I have to do. But then the phone rings or an opportunity pops up that's a lucrative opportunity. And so I have to shift my focus. So what I've, what I've long, as a solopreneur early on for many years, I learned to be very flexible. I mean, always on, never off. You know, I, I, I would be with my family, the phone rings and, I, and I'm in the mode. You know, I'm in the seat. Hello, it's the CTI. Oh, sure. I can help you with that. And you take the information, you put the phone down, and then you're at the beach and you're throwing the beach ball or whatever you do at the beach. So I've learned to be um, very adaptive to whatever environment I'm in because I, I had to be out of necessity. Wonderful. So um, what are the biggest misconceptions that people have about what you do? So one of the services that we provide is demolition. And so they think we use a wrecking ball or implosion. Okay. okay. And I've never used any of those. You know, we have excavators with attachments. And and when when we do an excavation, when we do a demolition, um, these attachments are just an extension of an arm. So we tug and pull, tug and pull, tug and pull until we weaken the structure and then we smash it. So that's, that's my experience with demolition. No wrecking ball and no implosion. No dynamite. <laughs> yes. And, they, and then they think, and I think most of us do this with other industries, anything related to engineering, I'll get a call. It could be nuclear, it could be electrical, but they're like, Robin knows she's an engineer. And one recently, my brother-in-law called me and he said, I have a chemistry question. I said, do you know how long it's been? <laughs> don't do that to me. You know, don't test me. Um, but yeah, I, I think that people just don't, they don't really understand what I do. But I'm hopefully I'm branded enough where if it's environmental, they at least call me and I can tell them yay or nay, because environmental is, I deal more with hazardous materials. So lead, asbestos, something's contaminated. You know, oh, I smell something. Can you come and test it? Not so much cultural, like an archaeological, because that's environmental as well. Yeah. So it's more um, materials in the environment that may need to be disposed of, uh, materials in the environment that need to be um, tested, or uh, there's some kind of, uh, you know, study of. Correct. Okay. So this leads me to talk about what you're doing with the demolition chicks or demo chicks, because uh, I don't think many young ladies think about what you're doing as a career path. Um, so what prompted you to start this organization? Did, did, did it just click one day or you were like, I'm looking around and I don't see enough versions of myself. I need to create something in order to change that. Well, it's kind of interesting because I, I 
think sometimes when you're involved with organizations like a NSBE, National Society of Black Engineers or Black Women in Construction, you tend to think there are many of us around because when you go to the meeting, that's who you see. But in reality, there, there aren't. Um, I had a project a few years ago, a demolition of a federal prison. The prison had been closed for 20 years, 120 plus structures, and had an opportunity to demolish that prison. And while we were out on at the location, I, I realized the magnitude of that project, right? It was huge and all the components associated with it. And I was thinking this is a curriculum because you have to procure it. So there's an accounting piece. You have to do testing of the hazardous materials and then abate those materials and and then demolish the property. And when you demolish a property and you, you dispose of the materials, you don't just throw them in a dumpster, right? You have to segregate and some you recycle. And, and I said, this is a whole curriculum. Someone needs to learn this, right? And I can teach them. No, I just thought it was very interesting. And as I talked about it, people were really interested. And I, I said, well, demolition in itself is an industry. We talk about construction, but who knows about demolition? And because we're not being gifted any more land, things need to come down in order for other things to come up. And that's how Demo Chicks was born. Now, prior to Demo Chicks being born, I've always made myself available to talk about engineering and encourage girls or, or folks within our community to pursue these type of opportunities. One, because financially, I mean, going into this type of field can change a person's zip code if they so choose to change their zip code. So just the opportunities that are created. And I think that there has to be a knowledge, like how would someone know that I'm demolishing a prison if I don't share it with them, right? Or our girls, they don't see demolition projects. You might see them on TV or they don't see them because they have the, um, the fence with the, the covering so you don't know what's going on inside. So it's not something that people are exposed to. So I think it's important that we share with them the opportunity, let them know that it exists just to expand their horizon and offer them more, more choices of careers to pursue. Wonderful. So tell me about this organization, what you've been doing with it, um, who, who is supposed to sign up all of the information about what, you know, what this organization is about. Well, with, I forgot I was talking about the organization. I was talking about demolition. <laughs> Well, we do, so at Demo Chicks, we do two things. We educate and we mentor. So our education program, educational program is for students in K through 12. Our target are girls. However, we're not, we can't discriminate. If it's a classroom and, and boys are there, that's fine too. But our target audience would be girls in K through 12. And initially we started going out to the schools and doing science, science experiments because Demo Chicks is not just about demolition and construction, but it's non-traditional careers. So whether it's STEM, construction, architecture. So we also promote the trades because not everyone is going to get a four-year degree. And you can do very well for yourself as a tradesperson, whether it be electrician, carpentry, architecture, technology. And so our K-12, we 
we go out to the school sites, but because of the pandemic, we have virtual workshops on the fourth Thursday of every month, three o'clock Pacific time, six o'clock Eastern time. We have a workshop for girls and they can sign up. They go to demochicks.com and sign up for the workshop. We also have a mentoring component for the older students. So college students and young ladies who are entering the workforce where we can connect them with someone who's currently working in the industry. They can grab a cup of virtual cup of coffee, have a conversation and just be encouraged um, to continue to pursue, you know, their education or be encouraged if they're working and just need someone to talk to. Um, we make those opportunities available. And we also offer scholarships to college students as well. What has been the most rewarding part of seeing this next generation come, come up through this? When the light bulb goes off, I've had a couple of girls, one young lady, she was a business major and she interned with Demo Chicks. And now she's learning about the environmental space. And she's actually working for me now. <laughs> and she's worked on a couple environmental cleanup projects, um, something we call a phase one environmental site assessment, which in the real estate industry, totally familiar with that. And so she's changed her area of focus to environmental because of her exposure to demo chicks. And I had another young lady who had that same experience um, a nonprofit board that I serve on, she just heard about Demotics through me talking with her boss. And I found out later she changed her major to civil engineering because of Demotics. And then one of our, one of our Demotics who is four years old and she participated in our virtual workshop and she drew a picture of our Demotic image on like a lined piece of paper in ink and just the detail by which she drew it and she wrote out demo chicks. And I said, she has been impacted, right? She's, her mind has been just stretched, right? So, so those are the things that are, are very rewarding to me when I, um, just the stories that I hear and I see the impact that we're making in the community. Yeah. So is there anything else you want to share with our listeners? I know you're very involved. You've got a lot of stuff happening. Well, I want, well what, what I'm looking for are, are partners, like people to come alongside me who want to make a difference in the world, really, right? Because it's, it's just the power of one. What can one person do? Because I sometimes it's like, oh, man, I'm just one person. But that's all it takes is one person to make a difference. And that's what I feel like I'm doing. Um, you know, you talk about, talk about my mother and what she instilled in me and how she just kept going. Well, I keep going. I just keep doing it. Um, but I'm, I'm looking for people to come alongside me and it's not so much to support me and my efforts, although demo chicks could use some funding because we're a nonprofit. But I think that if people of like minds come together and we support one another, then we can all win. Right. So whatever your mission is, like, how can we collaborate? So we have an opportunity for um, the young girls to be exposed to this opportunity to learn more about different careers. So if you know a young lady who might be interested in something non-traditional, 
share with them that demo chicks exist. I'm available to answer questions. I'm available to speak to groups of um, young people, even women in the industry, because the entrepreneurship as well. You know, if um, I oftentimes talk to people and after six months, they'll say, you know, I thought I wanted to do this, but in six months I haven't gotten a contract. I say, try seven years, you know, so just being determined Encourage, I like to encourage people to be determined and to not give up, but be realistic about what they're willing to do to achieve their goals. Got it. Yeah. So um, I just want to thank you for your time. I think this has been so valuable because, um, I mean, demolition is de- environmental engineering. I mean, it's definitely not something you hear about every day. Uh, and I do believe that what you're doing with uh, not only your company, but with Demo Chicks and just what you've been able to accomplish is huge. And I'm excited to continue to um, promote this. I, I mean, I promote it all the time on my on my Instagram. Uh, if there's young women out there looking for mentorship, if you're in this industry and want to pay it forward to the next generation and volunteer with this organization, um, if you would like to, you know, have Robin come and speak about what she's been doing. I mean, there's so much potential and there's so much opportunity here. So um, I'm just happy to have you on. Uh, I wrap up each one of my podcasts with two questions. Well, one question and one fill in the blank. Inclusion and equity drives my work. Absolutely. Because while we've made some serious strides in increasing the number of women and people of color in science, we still have a long way to go. I think it's important to provide vehicles such as demo chicks because it levels the playing field. Like an organization like demo chicks levels the playing field because it provides resources and it provides nurturing that's needed to overcome obstacles. What does life look like coming full circle to you? Life is really meant to be lived and enjoyed, right? We work, we hustle, But it's not about like arriving at the destination. It's really about enjoying the journey and embracing all the lessons, whether they be difficult and challenging, you know, and painful or like the joyful experiences, because all of those things make us who we are. So it's like embrace it all. You know, don't just always say ride high on the highs and even kill on the lows because it's it's life. Right. And it's meant to be experienced. So enjoy the journey. All right. Thank you so much. Um, So I will be putting all of Robin's information in the show notes. Um, She is, of course, on LinkedIn, um, CTI Environmental. I'll put their information in there as well as Demo Chicks. Um, I appreciate you for coming on today. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. What a fascinating conversation with Robin. I enjoyed speaking with her because we got an opportunity to hear about how her path was definitely not clear or linear, um, but she, as she went along, kind of found her way. The first thing that stood out for me was um, this idea of being a late bloomer, or as she said, she had been out of school for eight years. She hadn't necessarily, you know, had the right out of school, going from one, you know, high school to college experience. And so when you've been out of school for some time 
it may feel like, you know, you're just feeling like there's more motivation, more things that you want to have for you to complete. And so I thought it was interesting that she said, you know, she just knew that she didn't want to look back and have regrets. She didn't want to look back and say, oh, I should have totally done it. And so uh, if you're out there and feel as though I'm going to be starting over or it'll feel like I'm beginning something again, I mean, I think what you're hearing from people is do it anyway. Go out there and just put one foot in front of the next one class, take one class, then another, then another. And then next thing you know, you're finished. So don't get caught up in feeling like if it's not, you know, this linear experience that somehow it's not valuable. Um, Each person's journey is different. And so please feel not like you have to be doing the same thing that everyone else is doing. Uh, Another thing that she said is that one of her first bosses was a gentleman who said, you know, he wanted to teach her the business and took a vested interest in making sure she had what she needed to be successful. Uh, I listened to that and thought about, you know, how many um, men who see women who are, you know, definitely interested, don't probably know what to do, but are like, let me help you. Let me mentor you. I'm here to make sure that you are successful and you have the tools that you need. Um, We talk a lot about how to find those allies, how to be an ally. I think she talked very clearly about what it was um, doing something that was difficult. I mean, being on an, a production floor, an assembly line floor, knowing how to use the heavy machinery. These are probably things that you would think isn't considered woman's work. Um, but I don't think that's true. And by having someone who's there to support you, someone to uplift you, tell you you can do it, show you how to do it. Um, that makes all the difference in the world. So, you know, please, if you're seeing somebody that you're working with who you can see has a passion, has an interest, is somebody, you know, showing up every day, help them, help them be successful instead of, you know, seeing them not have the tools they need in order to move forward. Uh, and then the third thing she said Her curiosity, um, the amount of opportunity, and she fell in love with the freedom over the security. So I think that's a really great quote on if entrepreneurship is something that you're considering or going into doing your own thing, um, your curiosity, your ability to have the freedom to make your decisions over the security and seeing the opportunity that exists, seeing that there is a path forward that you can essentially leverage and take advantage of, I mean, are huge. So when she talked about, you know, how she decided to do that and initially just kind of taking all the calls and, you know, meeting all the people until she could really kind of create a clear path for herself and a clear niche, um, I think is huge. So if that is, you know, where you are in your journey and you want to, you know, get out there and pursue certain things. Um, She sounds like those are some great advice. That's great advice in terms of getting out there to do it. So um, great conversation with Robin. Um, I enjoyed hearing her talk about her experience. Uh, Demo Chicks, please be sure to look at all of her information in the show notes. Keep listening. I am enjoying doing these episodes because I think there's so much value 
in these stories and hope you find them just as valuable. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please subscribe, share, and tell a friend. You can find me on Instagram at Full Circle with Garland. And if you'd like to be a guest, go to garlandfuller.com. Thank you for listening and sharing your time with me. I hope this next week helps you to recognize the full circles in your own life. Bye-bye.